Yud Bet and Yud Gimel, we're dealing with this whole sugya when words and intentions don't align. Be'ikaro kamatbis or behetera. So I introduced you yesterday to Rami Bar Chama, who starts this whole sugya on Daf Yud Aleph Amud Bet already at the bottom of Daf Yud Aleph Amud Bet with his fascinating of, of Daf Yes Yud Aleph Amud Bet with his fascinating question uh, where he asks Boy Rami Bar Chama. So we need a little bit of, of background here. <clears throat> the concept of hatpasa I introduced you to yesterday. This idea of, of putting something into a category and then applying the laws of the category to, to the specific object. And that we do that with things, but we don't do that with people. So today, Rami Bar Chama is talking about zivche shlomim l'achaz rikas damim. A shlomim is a korban, a sacrifice that a person brings in the, in the Beis Hamikdash, but it's a sacrifice which he's allowed to eat. So the Kohen gets the chazeh and the shok, the Kohen gets, Shalom Aleichem Yirmi, the Kohen gets the chazeh and the shok, the, the uh, particular parts that are dedicated to the Kohen, only a Kohen can eat the chazeh and the shok, but the rest of the animal, the ordinary person can eat. And he can eat it for, for two days and one night. He can eat it for the day the korban is brought. He can eat it that night. He can eat it the next day. And that's a korban shlomim. So it's, it's, and it's eaten like, regular, like a regular meat meal. is eaten in Yerushalayim. But the, it only becomes mutter. You're only allowed to eat it after the zrikat dam, after the kohen has thrown a sprinkled the blood on the mizbech. From that moment, once the, the blood has been sprinkled on the mizbech, the meat can become used for regular, is kosher for regular usage. So it might be, no, the laws of korbanot, it's much more complicated than our normal laws of kashrut. It's, it's, our normal laws of kashrut are bad enough, well, not bad enough, they're difficult enough. Mm-hmm. Is it kosher, isn't it? Is it mahadrin, isn't it? Is it glut, isn't it? Uh, but imagine, at times of Beis Hamikdash, there's also time and place. When, when can you eat it? Uh, Whereabout can you eat it? It's governed by, by time and place. It has a much wider implication than, the, um, than just whether or not you can eat it. So remember, shlomim goes through a transition. There's a period when you declare this animal is a korban shlomim. From that moment, it can't be eaten. It's now korban, it's hektish. The kohen slaughters it, the kohen shechts it and sprinkles the blood on the mizbeach. Now the coin can eat his portion and the rest of it the owners can eat and it's like, like normal meat. This person comes along and he takes a loaf of bread, let's say, and he takes a korban shlomim after the blood has been sprinkled. He's got a loaf of bread, he's got a korban shlomim. And he says, this is like this. The machit bosa zivche shlomim, a machit de so he's got his loaf of bread, he's got his meat that is a korban shlomim after the blood has been sprinkled. He says, this is like this. Asks Rami Bar Chama, or And notice the word ikaro. He doesn't say, is it be'isuro or behetera? Is, is he categorized? Because this piece of meat now has two personas. This piece of meat was also 10 minutes ago. Now it's mutar. It was prohibited, now it's permitted. When he says this is like this, is he talking about it when it was prohibited or or now that it's permitted? We've got to interpret what's going on here. 
And so you would say, but clearly it's, it's, it's now. He's got this piece of meat now, and now the meat is permitted. And we'll see, that's one of the ways of understanding it. What is Rami Bahama's question even? So the question is, when you categorize, are you categorizing conceptually or are you categorizing superficially? And, and this has, when you think about it, it has major ramifications for categorizing and for stereotyping. Are you classifying things into categories in terms of their common concept, what binds them conceptually? or just what they appear to be at the moment. The, it, 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 when I teach matters around, around diversity, one of the things that I, that I emphasize is you can have two individuals who look very different. You have a black individual and a white individual, but, they, but they're the same. They come from the same background. They went to the same schools. They speak the same languages. They've got the same... They just look different. And then you can have two individuals, two white people who look the same, And they're completely different. They come from completely different backgrounds and are completely different. You take a, a Lithuanian Jew and you take a, a Japanese, well, not Japanese, take another Caucasian person, a German non-Jew. And you categorize them together because they look the same. So when you categorize, is this man saying, this piece of bread is like the concept I'm holding in my hand. The concept is korban. Korban is asur. So I'm making a nether on this piece of bread. Or am I saying, no, this is a piece of meat that anybody can eat now. That's weird. It's a piece of meat. I'm not worried about its concept. It's a piece of meat. And I'm saying this bread is like this piece of meat. Well, then you've said nothing. So that's the fascinating question of Rami Bahama. If we learn it a little bit more deeply, and we saw from yesterday who Rami Bahama is and how he thinks, that, that he's thinking much, much deeper in B. Karo, are you going after the concept, the initial concept, or are you going after what's in front of your eyes? The, the Gemara doesn't get to a conclusion on Rami Bahama's case. We've got these several dapim where the Gemara goes backwards and forwards trying to prove, and it doesn't resolve it. It actually doesn't answer the question of Rami Bahama. It says the Rambam, If he's got um, shlomim after the blood has been thrown, It now can be eaten by anyone. The Rambam Paskins, you go, he's, go, he's referring to the Ikar. He's going after the, the initial idea. Um, what he means is, this piece of meat which started off as a korban, what is this in essence? This isn't just a piece of meat from the butcher. This, was a, this is a korban shlomim. And what is a korban shlomim in its essence? It's also you need zrikas dam to make it permitted to an ordinary person. But in essence, it's kodesh. And in the same way as this in essence is kodesh, I'm transferring the kodesh as we discussed yesterday and in the first shir of Nadorim. I'm transferring the kodesh from this object, the meat, to the loaf of bread in, the, in, in this case. That's how the Rambam learns it. And it's interesting that the, the Rambam The, the Rambam's approach altogether, you can see it from the way he classifies things. Because that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with categorization in, in these sugyas. Uh, so the Shulchan Aruch, for example, what's the order of the Shulchan Aruch? You get up in the morning, you wash your hands, you say your brochas, you daven, you eat, you bench, you say. And so you, the, the Shulchan Aruch goes according to the, the world as you see it. The Rambam is conceptual. The Rambam classifies, if you look at the Rambam's different sections and how he classifies and where you find the halakha, 
He works conceptually. He puts the same concepts together. Although they, on a superficial level, they might appear very different, but conceptually they're similar. And you see, down to every chapter, every page of the Rambam, and the uh, uh, adjacencies of one paragraph with another paragraph, all of that is uh, the, the Rambam classifying conceptually. And here the Rambam says, interestingly, notice the Rambam doesn't say, well, this uh, this question was not resolved in the Gemara, so we go le Chumra, we go le Isu. The Rambam says, For some reason, the Rambam has clarity that, that we regard him as categorizing conceptually. And conceptually, this meat is Kodesh. And that's how he's categorizing. The Radvaz, who's a parish on the Ramban, says that's how the, the Ramban goes. He says the Rambam does it because there isn't a clear answer in the Gemara. And the Rambam goes Lechumra, so this is an Isidor Isis, so he goes the more severe way. Although we notice in the, in the wording of the Rambam, it doesn't seem that that's his reason. The, um, but then he brings the Ramban, and the Ramban says that, no, he's being mate, b, 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 brings other proofs that you've got to say he is categorizing by superficial qualities, not by the conceptual ideas. And superficial qualities. What is this? It's a piece of meat. What are you going to do with a piece of meat? I'm going to eat it in a few minutes' time. I'm putting it on the barbecue. Well, it's already been on the barbecue, possibly, but I'm, I'm going to cook it, whatever I'm going to do. The Rambam says, no, you, this is Kodesh. This is a Shlomim. The Radva says, the Ramban says, no. The way we, t- we take it is that we go after, after the Heter. And the Ran on our Daf, on Daf Yudgimel, Paskins also like the Ramban superficially. So we've got the Rambam who works with concept when you're categorizing. It's just interesting because it fits into the whole world view. The Rambam works with categorizing conceptually and the uh, Ramban works with, with categorizing superficially. Now we'll see through a question and answer in the Rivash in Simon Shin Nun, we'll actually understand these two viewpoints even better. So the, the Rivash, very important Rishon, 14th century, born in, in Barcelona, was a, a rov in Valencia uh, during the time of the uh, Spanish Inquisition, the expulsion. He goes to Algeria and he's, there, he's a rov there for many years. He has a very difficult life. He's chased away from place to place. He runs away from Machlokas. Uh, but he lives to it till an old age and he writes these amazing chuvot that we have today. Uh, and they not only class, they not only clarify halachic issues; they clarify gemorahs as well. Uh, he's a Talmud of the Run, so he's important. He comes towards the end of the period of the Rishonim, so he has access to all the world of the Ramban and the Ran and the Rashbo and the Ritvo. He's got all of that material, and and he he leaves us this unbelievable work of the Shuvot Harivash, and he says he's asked the question, uh, bringing the case of Rami Bar and in the third line there, where I quoted, And you, in asking me, you don't understand Rami Barachama's question even. Because we've established that if there's clear indication in the language as to what the intention is, we complete the language. That's the idea of a yad. We've talked about that before. So if a person's language in neder is incomplete, we complete the language for him. In this case, he's taking a loaf of bread and he's saying, this is like this, and he's got a shlamim in the other hand. Clearly, he's making a neder. He's making, he wants to make the bread asur. Otherwise, why would he say, 
this kosher piece of bread is like this kosher piece of meat. I can eat this meat, I can eat this bread, so why are you saying anything? Clearly his intention is to forbid the bread. How would you forbid the bread? By categorizing the meat as a korban. So you can see from his intention that he must want to categorize it as a korban, is the question to the Rivash. And that's the one side of Rami Barakama's question. That if you look at the whole thing, clearly the man is intending to make the sasur. Says the Rivash at the, at the end, it's quite a long chuva, but at the end he says that at the end of the day, what is going on? The fact is the meat is holding in his hand is after Zrikat Adam. So the meat is holding in his hand is kosher for eating. And he says, this is like this. And you want to say, but his intention must be on, on something else. But look what he said. He said, this is like this. It's very clear. And this is kosher, so that is kosher. What, why are we getting all wrapped up in what his intention is? And you can't, in the darim, you can't go after a person's intention only. You've also got to take care of what he says. If what he says is ambiguous, I can use intention to clarify. But what he said is not ambiguous. He said this is like this. There's no ambiguity in that. So I don't go to intention when the wording is unambiguous. Because in the Darim, we need what you say and what you believe to, to be aligned. Yes, it's true that his intention was to categorize this loaf of bread as a korban. But that's not what he did and that's not what he said. So his intention and his words didn't align. So, so they're invalid altogether. You can't follow intention when the words say something else. And that's the question of Rami Barchama. Is Rami Barchama going like the questioner in the Rivash? Saying clearly his intention is to make an issue, so he must be categorizing conceptually, as the Rambam says. Or the other side is the Rivash says, no, you only use intention when language is ambiguous. But if language is not ambiguous, you don't resort to intention. You just interpret language. And that principle, so there are two principles here that, that, that are important to go away with. The one is, in the area of categorization, always clarify in your mind or in the mind of somebody else if you're having a conversation, are you categorizing by concept or are you categorizing by superficial appearances? Because that, make, that makes a difference. When you put the alumdan, lambdas is categorizing by concept, not categorizing by superficial appearances, understanding the differences and, and appreciating the differences and categorizing according, according to that. And... Uh, we have it even in questions of minhagim and things like that. You could just carry on and say, we're all Jews, so we're one category. Um, or you could say, no, they're different minhagim, they're different cultures. There's Hasidim and there's Misnagdim and there's Faradim, and within each, they're different. Each one is a concept. Each one stands for a certain thing. And we recognize what, what the thing stands for. May ikaro, get to the source, get to the root, and categorize by root. Don't categorize by, by surface. And it's an idea that one can use in business. It's an idea one can use in philosophy. It's an idea one can use in education. How do you categorize? The Rambam is a Lamdan, of course, as, as they all are, but his particular style of Londis is work with concepts. He's a conceptualizer. The Rivash, in, in explaining the other view, says yes, but now the issue is, can you use concept to explain intention when the words don't support that intention? 
The person says, I didn't intend to hurt you. Yes, but you said something very hurtful. Yeah, but it wasn't my intention. Who cares what your intention was? You did it. The words were hurtful. You, you owe the person an apology. You can't say it wasn't my intention. You can say it wasn't my intention if there are two ways of interpreting the words. Uh, there are two people standing there and I say, you idiot. And you think I meant you? I, I meant the other person. Well, okay, so it's not clear who you meant. And uh, maybe I didn't mean you. That wasn't my intention. But if there's only one person standing there and I say, you idiot, and then you say, but that's not a nice thing to say. But I didn't intend to hurt you. But you did hurt me. The words were there. Says the Rivosh, you only use intention when words are ambiguous. When the words and the actions are unambiguous, then you've got to follow the words and the actions. You don't resort to intention. And in the Darim, you need shavim. You've got to know that the intention and the actual words are aligned. When they're not aligned, it doesn't have the power to affect a, a proper nerdah. 